You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome Dominica Knossanella to the show. Dominica is the founder of Dog Meets Baby, and I discovered her, goodness, over a year or maybe two ago on Instagram, where she puts out educational posts and advice on how to prepare your pet for baby's arrival and also how to introduce your dog to baby when baby comes home. She is a certified dog trainer and graduated with honors from a prestigious academy for dog trainers, often referred to as the Harvard of dog training. And today she is here with us to answer many of the questions I get in our anonymous polls about adjusting to and managing our dogs now that we have children in the home. Today, we unpack how to prepare our dog for a baby's arrival, some tips on how to introduce our dog, and then we also talk about the postpartum period when our dog might struggle to adjust to a baby being in the home, or we start to experience irritability and rage and lack of patience for our dog and their behaviors. This is a really real, relevant conversation that many of you have messaged me about on Instagram. This is such a practical and helpful conversation. Let's hear this episode with Dominica. Many of us didn't grow up with parents who apologized. Our parents' tough love generation often didn't feel the need to explain themselves to children. But now we know better. We understand that our relationships with children matter and that mutual respect, love, and care can help us build those relationships. One of the best ways to foster that respect is through repair. When you apologize to your child for losing your cool and commit to doing things differently, you're not showing weakness, you're showing strength. You can break the generational cycles of parenting and model for your children how to do better, even after the moments you aren't proud of. Dr. Ashari Nareem, Psyched Mummy, and I offer a free masterclass to teach you our three-step method for repairing with your child after you lose your cool. We cover how to measure a secure bond with your child, understanding the power of repair, practical ways to repair with your child, and more. I know you're here because you want change. You want to end that generational cycle. Give yourself the tools you need to parent more freely. Register for our free masterclass at happyasamother.co slash masterclass. That's happyasamother.co slash masterclass. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in.
Dominica, thank you so much for joining us on the Happy as a Mother podcast. I know that we've been back and forth in DMs over the year or however long it's been since we've, you know, been in contact. And I always refer to your page when questions come up about adjusting to bringing home a baby and dogs and, you know, pets and impatience for our pets and all things adjusting while having an animal in the home. So, um, much requested topic, and I'm so happy you're here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So you are a dog trainer by like training and profession. How did you come to niche down and specialize with working with parents in this adjustment to bringing baby home? Well, I had kids, <laughs> and I lived yeah. with a dog, and it all started when my dog, I have a yellow Labrador Retriever, Lola, very sweet dog. She could be a therapy dog to work with children, amazing dog, but she has a high prey drive, as many dogs do, and unfortunately, which is very rare, I just want to mention it, she had a strong predatory reaction to my kids, meaning that when she saw them, she acted as if she saw prey and she was hunting. Mm, okay. And of course, that was very scary and traumatizing and not what you want to see when you introduce your tiny babies. I have twins to your dog whom you love very much. Right. And that was definitely an experience that made me realize that she is a dog with instincts. And it's good to remember that when you bring little kids home. And I started working with parents more and more because that was my life and I could understand. And also I was working with parents before I had children but I did realize after I had kids that some advice that I was giving parents was just not doable mm. because you are just so tired and you're so sleep deprived and you need easy solutions. You don't have time to spend every day training your dog for 30 minutes. Right. right? It's just not doable. Well, especially as a first time mom with twins you had, right? It's like you're yes. thrown into the deep end of motherhood. And so you really got to feel for you know, just how overwhelming that can be for a lot of parents, right? Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly what it was. So I just started working with parents more and more, but it's just me and I could only help parents in San Francisco where I lived. And then the pandemic happened and I had more time in a certain way, or I just really wanted to use this time that I had. And I just started Dog Meets Baby, my company that is, is online. Yeah. And it meets such a need. Like I personally don't have pets at this time in my life. I grew up with pets. My kids ask for pets. I have three. I still consider them young children, although they're getting more school age. My youngest will head into school later this year. But there was just this time that I felt like I was at capacity for keeping things alive. <laughs> so, you know. I hear you. A pet might be in our future, but it's not a part of our life right now. But I remember being in postpartum and on maternity leave with one of my best friends. And they had this dog and he was actually like a hunting dog, but very like gentle and great with their kids, but a very high energy dog. And so she was like going through a really difficult recovery in her postpartum. Mm -hmm. And then if she didn't get out for walks regularly with Murphy was his name in the mornings, 
then he would just be like behavioral and disruptive and hyper and all kinds of things throughout the day. So I clearly saw through her experience this added invisible load of things that she had to consider in her day, right? 100%. Yes. I always recommend that we prepare the dog for the change. Yeah. And whether it's management and training and teaching the dog to be comfortable being alone or installing a baby gate. But I also recommend have a plan for the first three months or longer, but at least for the first three months, the fourth trimester, because especially in the States, we don't have maternity leaves. A lot of times the partner is home for two weeks and then he's back at work or she's back at work and the mom is there home alone with a newborn, sleep deprived, recovering, and she has two dogs. Right. How is she supposed to take them outside, especially if it's winter? So I do recommend if there is one thing that you can plan ahead of time, ask friends, ask neighbors, maybe a relative, or maybe like a high schooler, so they can take your dog out for a walk or come to your backyard and play fetch for 30 minutes. Mm. Um, And you also Mm -hmm. will feel less guilty because I know that many parents, the moms, they want to play with their dogs, right? They want to give them what they used to give them, but now they can't physically because maybe they're still recovering from a C-section or maybe they're just so tired or busy with the baby. And then you feel that guilt and then you start feeling that resentment because that dog like Murphy is just disruptive and jumpy and barks all the time. Yeah. So it's it's just, if there's one thing that you can do, and I think with the pandemic, many parents choose not to have guests, right, at home. Mm-hmm. And I know that many people still want to help. Let them help you with the dogs. It's such an interesting point, like admittedly a blind spot of mine because I never had to prepare for this added level of care, like for my animal, but I can see how it would be one of those things that you do not expect that you need to mm-hmm. have some foresight about, right? Like it's not one of those things that you expect to have to plan for because I don't think we always know as parents the impending change that's coming. We don't. But it's so freeing for you to say, this is something that others in our lives can help with. Or maybe there is a, a kid on the street who wants to make five bucks a day and walk the dog who loves dogs. I used to do that as a kid growing up. I used to love walking our neighbor's dogs because, you know, you I, see? I loved animals. <laughs> it was a win-win. They got their dogs walked and I loved that experience. So I think it's so freeing to say, like, get others involved and ask for help. Do it. Yeah. Do it. I work with families and I we cover a lot in our sessions. And guess the thing that they thank me after later, a lot of times it's, you told us not to cancel the dog walker. That was the best decision ever. Yeah. Of all the things that I tell them to do, that's the one that they really appreciate that piece of advice because they, they're playing. A lot of times people have this dream, oh, we're going to walk together as a family. It's going to be so perfect. The dog will get plenty of exercise because we'll have time. Yes. Well, you know, life usually <laughs> is very different, right? <laughs> it's not quite like that. Well, it makes me <laughs> chuckle. Yeah, it makes me chuckle a little bit because I'm sure that I would have said, you know, oh, like when baby comes and we'll do this magical thing and yeah. that magical thing. And there is this really romanticized idea we have of what this experience will be like. And this is such an important topic because I get 
I don't even know how many messages mm. during the polls. I feel like I tag you every weekend in our anonymous polls because inevitably somebody is saying, you know, I'm losing my patience or I'm getting yes. irritable or does, has anyone ever rehomed a pet? So mm. we're going to get into some of mm. these really, you know, big questions that people have. But first, I would love to hear from you on like some of the things that you do suggest for introducing or preparing your pet, your dog to meet. Mm-hmm. a baby. What are some things that you usually start with? Well, there are two different things, preparing and introducing. So let's okay. start with preparing. Mm-hmm. If I were to name the most important things when it comes to preparing, of course, training the dog. If your dog can listen to you when you say, leave it, that's very useful later when you have baby items everywhere, right? Or the activity mat for the baby. Training is very important. The other thing And that's a very controversial topic for some reason is when you're asleep and your baby is asleep and your dog is in the room, you are essentially not supervising. And the recommendation is for safety that the baby and the dog should never be left alone. And many people do understand it during the day, but they sort of forget that it also is important when you are asleep, that Mm. that that's when you're not supervising. And It's really important that you have a plan. Your dog can still be in the bedroom, but they should not be loose, especially if they sleep on your bed and they might have access to the bassinet. If you're a baby, many kids sleep in the same room as just the parents. Right. So it's good to have a plan. And I know from working with many clients and I have a popular Instagram account. You do, yeah. Right. So that's many followers reach out to me and they share frequently that they had to move the dog out because the dog had a reaction that they didn't expect. Now this dog spent years sleeping with their parents. The baby comes and the dog is kicked out of the bedroom. Right. That day. Mm -hmm. It's extremely stressful on everyone. It's the mom, it's the dad stressed because the dog is not there. The dog is crying and barking and howling. It's important that you have a plan here and you do it. You may later change it, modify it. Your baby will sleep in the nursery at some point. Your dog will come back. It's not forever, but it happens so frequently that when you have this tiny little human and your dog has a reaction that makes you uncomfortable, most moms are going to be very protective of their baby. Mm-hmm. Even if before they were like, oh, no, no, it's going to be fine. My dog is such a good boy or such a good girl. They're going to love my baby. But when something happens, you're going to be mama bear. You're going to say, no, 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 no. This dog cannot be in the bedroom because I'm already anxious. Right. I'm already anxious. I don't know if my baby's breathing, right? Like we're worried about this at first a lot of time. And then on top of that, now you're worried, what if this dog does something? This dog cannot stay in the bedroom. So have a plan. Teach the dog to be comfortable to sleep outside or have a baby get to the closet and teach the dog to sleep there. Make their like a cozy space there for them. It relieves a lot of stress. Yes, I can see that. Like being proactive in having Mm -hmm. this plan. And then if it's not needed or it adjusts over time, that's great. But then you're not stuck in this sort of like crisis-y moment where the stress is really high and, you know, something has happened and and it's stressful for everybody. Yes. People never tell me I did too much, right? Like I overprepared, but they tell me all the time, I wish I had done more. Right, right. So it's worth spending some time and preparing your dog. 
And another thing in terms of preparing is teaching your dog to be comfortable being separated from you. If your dog always follows you when you go to the bathroom, Hmm. it's time to start closing that door. So your dog will learn. You can start with very simple things like literally closing the door to the bathroom, teaching your dog to be comfortable alone, and maybe installing a baby gate to the nursery. You can always bring your dog in, but it's good to start teaching your dog that's the baby only zone, or it's just a place where, you know, right now you cannot be here as part of the training. You can always change this later, but it's so much harder when you do it right after the baby comes. Mm. A lot of times the baby is, of course, a huge change and it's a stressor in the dog's life. But I find, and I know that many parents agree with me, it's the change. It's losing the relationship they have with the parent. It's the change in the routine. That's what really affects them much more than the baby. After a few weeks, most dogs are like, well, there's nothing in it for me, Mm -hmm. right? It's just like this baby's not giving, it's not playing fetch with me, doesn't give me treats, doesn't give me attention. So they learn quickly, the baby is just right now moved in. I don't know who this is, why they're here, but most dogs just are okay with the baby. But what they really struggle with is the change. Mm -hmm. Especially if it changes their whole, like you said, all the change at one time. Mm -hmm. If it's like this new baby comes in and now I can't sleep here and now everything is happening all at once, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sure that that could make for... Uh, like, I don't know if dogs get anxious and like behavioral, but I'm sure that it could make for like an anxious and behavioral dog it, with all of these, its whole world sort of changing all at one time, right? Well, they can start peeing in the house. Right. Like have regressions. That's a lot mm-hmm. of times it's a sign of stress. Okay. What might be some other signs of stress for people who are listening, like other ways that their dog might, you know, indicate that they're having a hard time with this change? What other common things do you hear about? The common one is that um, even I I do recommend, so when it comes to preparing, I also recommend that we play baby sounds, the newborn sounds. Okay. And so the dog gets used to it. And still, a real baby is much more than a recording, of course. So a lot of times when they first see the newborn, smell the newborn, and hear the newborn, they might have a reaction. So many dogs will whine or bark, and it's very, very normal. Most of the time, it's temporary. It doesn't really last for a very long time. Okay. So that would be one of the signs. More barking could be another one that the dog is just, sometimes people describe it also that the dog seems to be depressed and sad. Okay. Like a little bit mopey. Yeah. Mm. Or anxious or just not him or herself. A lot of this is just the new phase in life. It's just adjusting to the baby. But if it continues, I always recommend talking to your vet just to rule out any medical issues. But also sometimes some dogs, they need help. They need medication. You need to take the edge off. <laughs> That's how I would put it. Okay. Like the stress, it's, it's just too overwhelming, the whole experience. And sometimes you live in a small house or you live in a one bedroom. I lived in one bedroom at first with my kids, right? So it's like, you don't really have that room that you can give your dog. My dog is stressed out. Have your dog somewhere else. Well, I live in one bedroom. It's not really that I can have my dog far away. (laughs) My dog is always going to be around the kids, right? So sometimes you don't really have that option. So there are many things that you can buy over the counter 
that will help relieve that stress. Oh, wow. And your dog will be more comfortable faster. Yes, sometimes they do need help. I did not know that. So like you can see your vet obviously for medical things, but then also like these behavioral things that might come out, you can also speak with your vet about. So interesting. So that was like the preparation and some things to keep in mind and Mm -hmm. some of the warning signs about our dog's adjustment. In terms of the introduction itself, is there anything particular that you you advise during that time? I do. I have a whole mini course for that. Oh my goodness. Because of my own experience, I know exactly. I did everything right except for one tiny step because I didn't assume that my dog would have this reaction. So that's right. why I, now I have a system for every parent so they can follow it. So if anything happens, they know when to stop. What's very important is that you don't go on YouTube and you don't watch those videos, how people introduce dogs, because that's not the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, what you want to do, you want to have a plan. Ideally, if you have a chance to rehearse it, that would be great, but at least have a plan. You want to be in control, which means your dog should not be running around naked, no harness, no collar, no leash, no baby. I love how you You, worded that. You need something. (laughs) Should not be naked running around. Yeah. (laughs) Should not no, should not be naked. So it's it's not it's you know, a lot of times what you see in those videos is the parent opens the door, puts the car seat on the floor, and two dogs, big dogs, approach the car seat. And you don't see anything. And then the next thing, pretty much every single video, the parent gets nervous and starts pulling the dogs off. But a lot of times they don't have anything. So they just grab their body and pull them away. Mm-hmm. Not safe at all. So you want to make sure that the baby is higher. You can have the baby in the car seat, but it's important that you don't place it on the floor. I see. You, you just want to ha- be in control, whether you use car seat or baby gate or the baby's in the crib or a leash. It really depends on the dog, how many dogs you have. You also want to introduce the baby, not in a tight hallway, but preferably a larger space. So it could be your living room or sometimes it's outside, depending on the weather. These are such helpful tips that I never would have thought about. Just even as simple as having a harness and leash on so that you are in control of the Mm -hmm. situation. Like is something that if we're entering into our own home, you know, where our dog normally roams free, we would not have really thought about. So that's so, so helpful. And it makes me think about when I grew up, we had, I think it was like six or eight Huskies at one time because we had a sled. We had a sled team of Huskies. We had Huskies that had a litter and like we had breeded them. And then we kept a few because I have like indigenous background, my Mm -hmm. like in like Inuit background. And they really value like huskies and sled teams and and stuff like that. So my dad wanted his own sled team, needless to say. And so we had a bunch of huskies at one point before we, you know, moved them out from breeding and whatnot. And they were huge dogs, like had such a presence. I can imagine for like such a little, like I was school-aged at this time, Mm -hmm. but for like a little baby or like a little toddler, they're such big dogs. They are running and they used to like hunt rabbits in the backyard. Like they are like these very, I think you had said like predatory type of dogs or like Mm -hmm. they're always on the lookout for like other things and chasing things down. And so I don't know if this varies from breed to breed, but like these huskies stand out in my mind so much because they were just such a big presence and they're so active. So, you know, if we had a dog that size around my newborn, I can imagine how 
this need for some of this control, they would curl up in your lap and cuddle as well. Like they weren't aggressive with us, but just this proactive boundary setting, it sounds like, that you put in place so that we are not risking any dangerous situation. 100%. And I know that for many parents, because, some, you know, not every dog has children. Many parents already know that their dog is not comfortable around little kids. And I have moms who email me and they say, the labor, I'm not afraid of. I'm afraid how to introduce my dog to my baby. That's Mm -hmm. what makes me anxious. So, you know, if you have a plan and you feel in control for that mom that has this dog that doesn't like kids, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Probably one of the biggest questions that comes in because my audience is postpartum and we talk a lot about rage and anxiety and low mood and things is, has anybody felt really irritable or ragey towards their pet? Like, I don't feel ragey or irritable maybe towards my baby or my partner, but I feel very like ragey or frustrated towards my dog. Um, Is that something that you encounter with the families that you work with? I do. And the posts about resentment and guilt and grief are among my most popular posts always. Yeah. I haven't had a specifically post about rage. Yeah. I think that would be a good idea. But it always, when I read the comments, and there are always many comments, it definitely comes up a lot, um, how behaviors that were not bothering people before, or sometimes they were even cued, they suddenly drive you nuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And for me personally, it was the hair. It was the fur everywhere. I have a Labrador. I never knew how much they shed (laughs) before I had one. And now I have a better system. But first, every time my kids were crawling, there was fur in their mouth. When they were eating avocado, it was covered with my dog's fur. It was driving me crazy. Right. Well, and I can see how what you're saying, like something that didn't necessarily bother us before, now that we're in this transition and our life is so different, it becomes a problem now. And this is something that I talk a lot about on the podcast or with our mental health or with our, you know, regulating of our own emotions. Something isn't a problem or we maybe haven't had to seek help for it or intervene because it hasn't really interfered or been a problem. But when it does become a problem, it is worth investigating and troubleshooting and problem solving because if we don't maybe get a system for the hair, like you said, then this resentment and just irritability is going to fester under the surface and we're really going to build up a lot of resentment towards our pet, right? Agreed. And so you had talked about the dog like following you into the bathroom. And like all I'm hearing in my mind is like no boundaries. There's just no boundaries with our pets, much like with our <laughs> children, right? They're in the bed. They're in the bathroom. They're in the everywhere. And our tolerance for that when we enter motherhood, mm. just generally speaking, decreases. Yes. Because we're so touched out. We've been so needed. We've been so tending after everybody else all day long that I can imagine even just the being needed by something else in itself can create irritability and frustration. But I love the solution that you had mentioned where it's like we can offload some of that. It doesn't all have to be on us in those moments. Yes, definitely. 
I find out that for many parents, the dog is their first baby. Mm. You spend so much time with this dog and you enjoy it. And maybe with the pandemic, we spend even more time with our animals because many people work from home. And then the baby comes and it changes. And for many, it's the fact that it has, like, they grieve the loss of the relationship. They miss their dog. They miss liking their dog. They feel guilty because they used to do so much and now they cannot do it mm. because they are just so tired and sleep deprived. And, you know, the baby is just so time consuming. So all those feelings, you have all those feelings, you grieve a loss of a relationship or a change of a relationship. And it takes a while really to find the groove again. Mm. And then on top of that, you have those things like the fair everywhere or your dog, like someone mentioned. What irritates me is my dog breathing next to me. Literally, mm. like, like, you know, like sometimes you just like, I think you're just so, your nervous system is just overstimulated, so right? right? Like just overstimulated. Over yes. Mm -hmm. If you have a colicky baby, I had a colicky baby, so I know how it is. And it's just like your dog's presence, even if you at the same time you miss your dog and you grieve the relation, the loss of the relationship, this is too much. Right. Right. <sighs> And it's so true for so many things in our adjustment to motherhood and we don't expect mm -hmm. it to happen and we feel guilty for yeah. is even our relationship with our partner goes through its own adjustment, yeah. right? My partnership does not look the same now as it did before kids. We could lay in bed all day. We could go to dates. We could do whatever. And now we're like two ships passing in the night, especially because we're remote learning right now because everything is shut down oh. in Toronto. So it's a different thing and it takes some adjusting and figuring out and it takes some work. And the fact that it happens and the fact that it adjusts is not a representation of us not doing it right or us failing in some way. Right. Right. And I think that's what happens when we start to have these negative feelings where it's like, oh, I like we used to go to the dog park, like all of these days or we had our morning routine and we had our walks and we did our nature time. And now that baby is here. I can't keep up with that. And somehow now as a mom, it's a reflection of me failing that I can't keep up with all of these things. Yeah. Right. But what I'm hearing from you is this is a relationship that goes through an adjustment, just like many other relationships and factors in our life go through an adjustment when baby comes home. Yes. I mean, your life has changed. Your dog's life has changed. It's an adjustment. It's probably never going to be the same way, but right. we don't compete anymore. I had to choose. I chose myself. I felt guilty for that, but I was, I just couldn't do it. I had two little kids and I couldn't compete with my dog anymore. Right. And I felt guilty for many years until I realized, well, she still has a great life. And now she has two more people who love her, right. who play with her, who give her lots of treats that she loves. <laughs> She's still competing for, you know, finding food under their chairs. And it's just yeah. a different type of competition now. <laughs> and overall, she has a great life. Yeah. It's different. It's not what it used to be, but it's still great. Yeah. You're still a great mom. Different doesn't mean 
bad. Yes. And I think that we hold on to this what it was in our mind or we hold on to this what we think it should be. That too. When you're thrown into the reality of it with like twin little babes, you know, life is turned upside down. Mm-hmm. We're back to the basics of like, did I sleep? Did I eat anything today? Have I showered? You know? And so our priorities really get shifted around during that time. And I will put a little sort of asterisk or note in here to say that if we're going through some low and depressive mood or extreme anxiety in the postpartum period and struggling with our own mental health and ability to cope, things like our pets or our partners or little things that maybe wouldn't have felt very significant before we really can struggle with. And if we start to lose enjoyment in the things that we once enjoyed, like we were so connected to and in love with our dog and we really have had this change in feeling towards them that is uncharacteristic or just like, you know, just start to lose interest for the like socializing and people in our life and and are just struggling then that is an indicator and our irritability and our frustration can be an indicator potentially of something more going on than just the normal adjustment. And if that is where you feel you are, you know, you wake up at capacity each morning, just like trying to cope with each moment of the day, I have lots of resources for you. Dr. Asherina Reem, Psyched Mommy, and I just did another podcast episode on rage. We have podcast episodes on postpartum depression versus baby blues, anxiety versus normal worry to help you really reflect it and understand where you are on that spectrum, how you're coping, and if you need to get more help. Because if this irritability is uncharacteristic of you, we would not want you to go without the help and support that you need. So I'll just slot that in there for any moms listening who might need that extra care and support today. So in terms of this adjustment time now, we got baby home, we've made the introduction, and we're waiting for the adjustment to kick in, but it doesn't seem to be happening right? Like our dog is still struggling. I don't know if we've moved to too much of an extreme here, but another question that I get is like, has anyone considered rehoming their dog after baby? Like, is that necessary sometimes? What would be the indicators that that might be a good idea? Not every dog can live safely with a child. Mm. Um, And sometimes no matter what you do, it's just what it is. So yes, some dogs... It's better if you find them a new loving home. And the signs would be if your dog is aggressive towards your baby, if your dog is growling at your baby. Sometimes it, it's, it doesn't happen until the child gets mobile. Sometimes it's a little bit later. Okay. And it's normal for dogs to be protective of their resources, but some dogs are very protective of many resources to a point where it's really hard to control. Like anything you drop, like a tissue, they will start guarding, they will start protecting it. And that's a very dangerous behavior when you have a young child, because as you know, there are many things on the floor that a child can drop. And it's not always possible or even humane to always keep them separated until the child is much older. Right. And can really understand that you should not do certain things. 
if a dog already has a bite history and every single bite resulted in a trip to ER. That's also, I would be very concerned. Mm. Some dogs are just extremely stressed around children. They have never been socialized with children when they were little. And they just like kind of what you described, like the dog is just not really getting better. The dog is constantly peeing in the house or is constantly shivering or shaking or doesn't eat or loses weight. And despite medical intervention or talking to the veterinarian and putting the dog on the medication, the dog is still really, really stressed around the child and hides all the time. You can improve things with training. You can, of course, Mm. manage it by keeping them separate at certain times or most of the time. But it's also not doable for every person. It's very hard when you have multiple children. Management fails a lot of time. And just knowing that your dog could potentially do something to your child is very stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you had a close call when you just, you know, that, that your dog was lunging at your child and you just protected them the very last second. It's not always the like extreme behaviors that that's why people rehome. Sometimes it's just they are aware of the issues and they know that they could escalate. So I always tell parents it's much better to do it before something happens if you know that your dog is already struggling because dogs Mm -hmm. communicate all the time, right? So if your dog is already communicating a lot of stress, you can see that they are really avoiding the child and maybe there are some growls and it's just not getting better. And you know that your dog, you don't see improvement, especially if you already have been working with a trainer. And do it before something happens. Because once something happens, once your dog bites a child, your dog is now labeled a biter and it's going to be so much harder to rehome this dog. Most Mm. shelters are not going... If they take this dog in, many shelters will just euthanize this dog. And then it's just so heartbreaking Mm -hmm. for the whole family. And you will have less options. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it's also understanding... Like my dog is really, I don't have time for my dog at all. My dog is very stressed around children. My dog doesn't like the loud noises. My dog keeps peeing in the house, right? And it's just really stressed all the time. And now started having medical issues because now the health started deteriorating. So sometimes it's just making this decision. Like when people make this decision, it's usually, it's heartbreaking. They're heartbroken, but they do it because they love the dog so much And they just know that as hard as it is, they find this dog was not a dog that could live with children. And then they find a couple who lives on a farm and this dog goes on very long walks and the couple sends updates and pictures of this dog running and just so happy and is so loved. Mm. And, you know, you're not going to fail your dog. I really want parents to understand this is not failing your dog if you're at home, your dog. Mm. It's actually because you love your dog so much that you give them a second family that is going to love them as much as you did or as you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that is so important. And I love that you had said, if you're seeing these things, to do it before it's too late. Like, I also think about like moms who are really struggling with their mental health in the postpartum period. And if managing too many things is really deteriorating your mental health as well and you're having a hard time coping, you can't show up best for yourself or your kid or your dog if you can't 
take care of you and manage the situation, right? And so I'm sure that there are situations that even without the dog being aggressive, as you said, that might call for a rehome and it comes from a place of love and care for everybody involved in that situation. Yes. I know that there are many people who, not so much in my community, I have to say that every time we talk about rehoming, people are very, very supportive or they now understand. I think once you become a parent, you do understand that even if you never thought you would be that person that would rehome the dog, as many people think of themselves. Just like I thought I would never be that person that lets my toddler like watch TV or like yes. eat a snack off the floor, <laughs> you know, like that person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So it's like, you know, <laughs> they can now understand that, yes, you can be in that situation where maybe it's not a life-threatening situation, but because the dog is not attacking your child, but in a sense, if you are suffering from postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression and you just cannot handle it and your dog on top of that is stressed, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person because you end up rehoming your dog. Right. You know, one mom said to me that she was so busy taking care of the child and making sure that the dog's needs were met and she was never thinking about herself. It almost killed her. Yeah. She had to check in and because she was just, it was just too much. She broke down. She couldn't handle it. Yeah. Well, and I think about this friend of mine with this like high needs dog that I was speaking about initially, and she went through a very traumatic birth. She had a very significant tear and the recovery was, you know, really hard and really challenging. And so there were so many very real things going on for her in her recovery and her her health and her mental health and all of that, plus caring for this new baby as a first-time mom, that, you know, they managed to work it out and find a system. But it was a really hard go at first because it's just motherhood is already very challenging, right? Navigating all of these things in the postpartum period. So a lot of moms will say, like, has anyone thought about rehoming their dog? I feel so guilty. Like, in no way does talking through your options, weighing the pros and cons, thinking about the situation, make you a failure or make you a bad person. You know, you're doing what is best for everyone involved when we really think through these situations and what's best for our family and for our pet. Yes. If you are depressed and your dog is struggling, keeping the dog just because you feel that you would fail the dog is actually worse than finding a loving home for your dog. Mm. And my dog was surrendered. And I'm forever grateful to the family who, she was a very high energy dog and she destroyed someone else's house. Right. And they realized she was just not for them. They couldn't give her the time and the training that she needed. She's a perfect dog for me. And that's my dream dog. Right. Right. So it's just like you making this decision, you can make someone happy. She is my soul dog. Oh, I love that. It's such a great perspective too, that like, you know, someone's decision to, you know, rehome her and here you guys are like with a a strong relationship, navigating twins and life and, (laughs) you know, all of these things together. We had some hiccups, but you know, overall, like that was just like one thing. She is really a perfect dog for my family. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And and I'm sure that many people feel similar ways about their pets and, you know, 
one question that keeps coming up in my mind about breeds and like aggression, is there a correlation there? Because I think about, I don't know, like pit bulls and Rottweilers as being aggressive dogs in my mind. And I don't even know where I ingested this information from, but I'm sure along the years somewhere. But my experience with like friends, pets, for example, I have a family member who had this small little like Maltese who was like vicious. (laughs) It was like this tiny little ankle biter, but like I would not want that little ankle biter around my kids ever because it was a vicious little dog, right? So is there, is there like a correlation with breed or or does it go beyond just the breed of the dog? Well, (laughs) of course, the the dogs were bred for different purposes. And um, you have dogs that retrieve and you have hunting dogs and you have dogs that were, they herd or you have dogs that kill vermin. So, and you have dogs that were bred for protection, you know, like the guard dogs. So they're not the same, 100%. There are are differences. I wouldn't really say that... I know why you mentioned those breeds, because typically when you hear about something that happens, a bigger dog can do more damage. And Mm. like certain dogs were bred for certain things. And then, of course, you have the dogs that were bred poorly for like dog fights or, you know, it's just like... Many people who have pit bulls or Rottweilers, they would be probably upset hearing it right now. But it's it's what we have in the media. That's what we hear about. Like most Mm, people, mm -hmm. you know, a Chihuahua, there are many Chihuahuas or Maltese that bite people, but typically they don't do as much damage, right? They're like, yes, they're going to like injure a child or the child will need stitches, but that's probably it. And that's why you don't hear about it. I see what you're saying. It doesn't yeah. mean that they don't do it. So when I look at this, it's not that I don't ask about the breed. I do ask about the breed because I know what was the dog bred for. But what's more important to me is the dog's history and the dog's training and the dog's socialization with children and the dog's temperament, individual temperament. So it's just, there are many, many things that you have to look at. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you have a dog that has a very high prey drive, and that can be a sweet yellow lab, like my dog, who's a working mm-hmm. line dog, that's something that I look at. But as you can see, if someone tells you, oh, I have a yellow Labrador, you would be like, oh, such a great family dog, right? Like you would never think this dog, right, this dog right. would ha- ever have a reaction to newborn twins, like my dog, my dog, you know, she was hunting. That was extremely unsafe. Right. I luckily had a plan, but if I didn't, I don't know. Like her intentions were to get to the prey. Mm -hmm. I totally see what you're saying. So it's not like we hear about in the media, these things that have like a, a bigger impact because they're like a larger animal and things like that. But let me tell you, this little Maltese, like I would not, I would not want to mess with this dog. And it's kind of like before there were kids in the home and it was only adults, like you said, like it was more tolerable and it was almost kind of funny because it was like, you are the size of a rat. Like you, who are you growling at right now? Right? Like it was kind of a joke. But then when there were babies in the home and children came around, it was a whole other issue because it's dangerous. You're, you've got a baby in like a bouncy potentially, you know, unattended and you've got this <laughs> vicious little dog. So, so I appreciate your clarification on that because yeah, I've seen it sort of across all different spectrums. Well, I'm the best example. If someone tells me that the breed really matters, I always tell them, well, I have a yellow lab and guess what she did. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
Yeah, this has been so helpful. And I'm sure this is going to really hit home with a lot of our listeners. If there's one last piece of advice, and I would say that this is sort of selfishly for my own self and my kids, this piece Mm -hmm. of advice. When we are out at the park or we are walking, whether people are out walking with their own dog or we just walk on our own and we encounter other people's dogs, could you leave us with a couple of tips for our children when we are encountering others' dogs that we're unfamiliar with? Is there a bit of a protocol here in terms of what is safe versus unsafe? You mean the dog is off leash or your kid's trying to pet the dog? Well, uh, the dog is on leash and we're like walking on a trail. Sometimes the trails we walk on, owners will leave their dog off leash. My child was rushed by a large poodle one time on a trail Mm. and he was very upset by it. So sometimes they're off leash. But like, let's say more commonly they're leashed and they're coming by our vicinity, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, with my own kids, I always teach them to give the dog space. Okay. And I typically watch the dog. And sometimes I see that the dog is already uncomfortable and trying to avoid my kids. So then we definitely are going to walk around or move to the side. Yeah. And if this is a dog that's some dogs are extremely friendly and I see that they will try to jump on my kids, that's another reason why I would keep distance. Okay. If it's a dog that just seems busy sniffing, then probably it's not going to matter that much. But generally, we try to give the dog a little bit of space. And I also teach my children not to run around dogs or like past the dog. Okay. Because dogs are triggered by motion. And if you run very close, very fast, a small child they can have that instinct of chasing you. Okay. So that would be another one. And to many dogs, when people stare at them, that makes them uncomfortable. So if you can. <laughs> yeah, like not like not getting in this like locked stare where we're kind of like, are you yeah. going to challenge me? We're kind of like locked in this little, yeah, I totally get what you mean. You know, if you find that your child likes to stare at the dog and you see that this dog maybe is getting more stiff or starts stalking, then I would make sure that the child is not staring at that dog. I, I think if you're moving, both parties are moving, that's less of an issue. Yeah, okay. That's something that you can pay attention to as well or, or teach your child, okay, there is a dog, but let's look at this plant over here. Yeah. I think that sometimes my boys who haven't been exposed to dogs too much initially when they were a bit younger, they used to get freaked out and they'd want to like quickly run away from the dog or in the other direction. And it would almost create more of a scene because the dog was just walking by anyways or whatever. So we did work on that where they just sort of, you know, maybe they'll calmly walk around to my other side so they avoid being the one that passes directly by the dog and, you know, things like that. But knowing to give some distance and remain calm is important. If a child is uncomfortable, it's also good to point out, look, this dog is on leash. The dog cannot get to you. Okay. And we went through a phase when my daughter was really scared of dogs. When she turned two after a puppy, big puppy jumped on her, she was really scared. Yes. And I work with a child psychologist. So we we have like a whole system how to help her. And one of the things was that I had to pick her up if we saw a dog, uh, but I'm, you know, this is a child that was really scared. So I was always asking her, do you want me to pick her up to pick you up or do, oh, let's go into a driveway and pointing the leash Okay. until she started doing it herself. She's like, oh, doggy. Well, she was two. Or On like leash. I can two. see so the leash. Like, doggy leash, yes. right? Doggy leash. And that was very comforting to her. So for mm-hmm. kids that are scared, you definitely want to 
make sure that they see that outcoming and then you offer them help. You grab their hand, you pick them up or you move away and you point out the leash. I love that. And I think that with the son that I'm thinking of, he was the one who was stormed by the poodle on the path that day. Mm -hmm. He had a stick in his hand and the dog snatched the stick. Um, Of course. And like came around the bend unexpected. So there was this sort of startle, like, you know, this anxiety associated with, you know, Mm -hmm. dogs. Is it going to react that way? Is it not? And so it did take us some practice in regulating that anxiety. But I think those tips are really helpful. And now, you know, they'll just casually walk around and wear through that hump of that anxiety. But yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you so much for your time today. This was such an interesting and informative conversation. And I know from all the questions that I get and how many times I tag (laughs) you, this is such a big topic. So I can't wait to share this with people. Where can they find you online? What resources can they access through you? And we'll make sure to link all of this in the show notes as well. Okay. I have a website, dogmeetsbaby.expert. And I have right now two courses for expecting and adopting parents. One is a mini course that some people watch from the hospital bed. It's how to introduce your baby to your dog the right way. Mm-hmm. And the other one focuses on the preparation. So how to prepare your dog, how to train your dog before you have a baby. And there is also an extensive newborn phase or covered. Like there are many helpful tips and videos on how to survive the fourth trimester with the dog and the baby. And of course, the training videos can be used at any time. Yeah. And revisited if you get in a rut again or something. Yes. And you have a really great informative Instagram page. We'll make sure to link everybody to that as well. And yeah, follow along if you've got pets and you're going through this phase because Dominica shares some really, really amazing information. So thank you again for taking the time and being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job.